Thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network, where the purpose of the podcast is always to make money. And I always say that because we're not disingenuous like uh, politicians, that they're against something before they're for it and vice versa, always flip-flopping, right? Uh, we are as honest as possible, really, because we've been successful. We can afford to be honest. And that, that's how, before you end this life, you get as close to the truth as possible, is being honest and being frank with people. And it's not a, really like a moral thing. It's a business thing, because then people can trust you because they know what's coming, right? And it's great, you know, I have an MBA, I have uh, securities licenses, I have clients that have million upon millions of dollars. And fortunate, lucky, and good to get some insight. So when you're starting this horse racing true crime podcast, what we're doing is it's a business meeting. So what we're doing is we're picking off all the elements that are missing from the true crime genre, which I know and love. My wife's a psychotherapist. We watch a lot of those true crime investigation, discovery, all of that. But uh, with my particular background, there's some insight into crime, into regulation. Uh, that people have to realize. And if you follow each podcast, there's a ton of information that you do not get in any other true crime podcast or anywhere else, period. So every single business meeting has to have a purpose in an outcome. So we got the purpose, right? And educating the public and educating ourselves because through this process, sports betting podcast, I've learned as much from the audience that I know my that I've been able to teach. So it's a collaborative effort because in capitalism, what they say, communists say that capitalists can't collaborate because there's uh, ego involved, so on and so forth. So uh, the purpose is that to educate. The outcome has been on the sports betting, we're up 500% ROI. That means you got five times more money than what you started with, right? And we're getting great insight into the craziness that goes on in the world. Now, Mike Persinisi, who's on the podcast, is proof that the fact that capitalists can't collaborate, it's a, it's a myth, right? He has one business partner, Craig. He's known him for decades. He knows me for going on 11 years. We're collaborating, and uh, we live in the richest country in the world, the richest state in the richest country in the world, fifth largest economy, and we're doing well. So thank you for joining me on the True Crime Horse Racing Podcast. Mike Prestonisi. Well, Josh, thank you. You said something a minute ago about business and morality, and most people think the two are mutually exclusive. But I found over the years, 69 years on planet Earth coming this end of March, that that's not true, that you can combine morality, business, truth. Now, how you, can, you, you don't have to. I mean, there's very successful, like it says in the, in the Bible, well, you and I reference a lot because that's the way we roll. But, you know, we don't judge people or force religion on anybody or politics or anything. We state our opinion and your opinion is just as valid as us. But it does say in the good book, in a lot of holy books, that the yeah. sun shines on the good and the bad. The, right. The righteous and the unrighteous, the good, the evil, whatever. And the point about that is, is that there are ways to make money. There are ways to be, quote unquote, successful or build wealth. Okay. And like you said, we're not here to judge people. 
but my preference is, your preference is, well, if we could do it, what we call the ELM method, E-L-M, ethical, legal, and moral. That's my preference. Now, most of the clients I've dealt with in my life and most of the clients you've dealt with, for the most part, I know this is a general statement, but for the most part, we've kind of fallen under that umbrella. There are sometimes you meet people where you say, hmm, I wonder if I want to make a decision to work with this client or not. And the great thing about our positions, Josh, is we can, quote unquote, fire a client, and there's a lot of freedom in that. In fact, there's a tremendous amount of freedom in firing a client. Right. You don't have to do business with everybody. And people say, well, isn't that judgmental or critical? No, I think it's called discernment. I think it'd be called well, discernment. Sometimes it's a business decision, right? Because time is money. And if time a client is, is, and then there's a big thing about mental health, right? My wife's been a psychotherapist for 17 years, and I'm like, oh, people are finally catching up to mental health. If somebody's going to kill you, but you make a bunch of money, it's not worth it, right? Not right. worth it at all. Now, right. <laughs> the motives for murder, right, are, you know, sex, lust, right. and money. And there's money. another one. Something, you know, uh, as we get into crime, crime has evolved. If your mom dropped you in your head, and your frontal lobe is damaged and it hits the part that has empathy and it's just pounded out of you. Mm. A lot of those people become criminals because they don't have impulse control, something in their frontal lobe to stop them from committing a crime. So I'm going to take a step back. In this podcast, we're going to get into the details of Belinda and Frank's Fronage. But in doing the research, a few things came up. And uh, it's important because we're taking our time to be comprehensive and crossing every uh, T, dotting every I, mm -hmm. and really giving you 110 years of life between uh, Mike Pristinisi and I of knowledge, wisdom, and experience and insight into you know, what we know about crime and then what you know about crime. And we're going to stick with the overview. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to get back to the supply chain because this is a companies that make the most money, as we said, is, uh, and this is also a financial education podcast and uh, income inequality. We're not taking 3% of taxes like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders wants to. We're going to give you information, uh, financial information. So the companies that make the most money are more successful. And then you look at when you want to put your hard-earned money in an investment, doing fundamental analysis, which is different than the Wall Street bets, speculation that's going on. But this is how you make money, you build wealth. There's only four ways to make money, inheritance, labor, real estate, and capital. So this is making money from capital. You have to have a vertical integrated company. So horse racing, true crime. We detailed the, the horse trainers who went to jail. Now we're getting to the, the, the family that these guys dealt with in Ocala, Florida, of all places. Uh, they're vertically integrated, right? As we get into horse racing, and we start giving you picks for Del Mar in July. Mm. So, and we're doing it the right way. We're understanding the horse racing industry from A to Z. And again, I encourage you to Go on the YouTube page, listen to the podcast with Tim Conway Jr. from KFI Los Angeles. His dad was on the Curl Burnett show, legendary Hollywood guy. He talked about learning math at the horse track. 
So these people, not only do they train the horses, they train, you know, they have the farms for the horses. They own the mechanism, right? The software to place wagers and they own the racetrack. So that's vertically integrated. Now, is that fair to the people betting, right? It almost borderline illegal. And how do they get away with these illegalities? And we'll get to friendships from an overview uh, that the Stronage family has. And then we'll talk about, uh, we'll get into more detail because we have a murder on our hands. We have the murder of Barry Sherman and his wife in Toronto. And it's funny, my clients with the most money are from Toronto. So they're in Toronto and you say, well, you're in the United States, what are you talking about them? Because they own uh, more land than uh, let's say 97% of the individuals in the United States, mm. of the United States land. And they have a $3 billion empire in assets and then $3 billion in cash. Now you can only take out $7 million out of the bank. So the rest is just wielding power, mm-hmm. all right? But we're gonna take a step back because the way we got into this was uh, we talked about violating one of the rules of life mm-hmm. is you do not commit two crimes at the same time. Mm-hmm. What's the phrase? Never go back to the scene of a perfect crime. So George Navarro made $34 million. What did he do with the money? Um, I'm speculating he had to kick, it, kick up to Tony Soprano and whoever. He didn't get to keep all the money, all that $34 million. And then an owner got drunk and started talking about spiking horses. But that did not get him in jail. What got him in jail was what got Khashoggi killed. And what Harry is up in arms and about going crazy, they're not going to give Archie security. It's because he would get killed. And part of it is, both with the British royal family and with the Saudi king, other than they have God complexes, entrenched institutionally God God complexes, they have, uh, they don't want to be messed with, right? This is what I say, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to have a black kid, are you kidding me? I've gotten paid, Mike Christianese. I've gotten paid money. Hey, Josh, hey, how's it going? Uh, you want me to you know, look up another stock for you? No, my daughter's dating a black guy. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know? He's like, well, you know, can you talk to him? Da-da-da. No, I, that's not what I do. Da-da. My wife's a you know, psychotherapist. You're being racist. Like, Josh, I'm wiring you 15 grand. Talk to the guy. Okay. The money will be there in 15 minutes. Boom, the money's there. You talk to him and say, hey, your dad told me to talk to you. Right. And I'm not going to do anything unless you get caught with his daughter. You're going to do it, do it in a search. You know, and that's, and that's problem solved, right? right? So, but what is the royal family? What do they do? They, they kill the guy. So Archie was going to get killed. So this is the way these people think, right? And then George Navarro did not do his research, which is the number one to a role of sports betting, which is really investing in stocks. He did not do his, he committed two crimes at the same time. What were those crimes? Number one, taking spiked 
horses to Saudi Arabia. He got away with it here. And we'll get into the Sronich family's political connections, right? But he got away with it here because the racket was here. The FBI have been investigating it 11 years. Why did not uh, the FBI arrest him? Who knows? But one definite possibility, and I want to know your, your thoughts on this, Mike Christine. One possibility is that it could be a FISA warrant situation. It could have been a Peter Strzok situation. Oh, there's nothing here. Let's just let it go. Mm-hmm. This guy's who went, okay, let's prosecute on all the evidence we have. They didn't do that until they committed two crimes at the same time, took a spike course over to Saudi Arabia and won, and then won the money from the king. What are your thoughts? And then, and then we'll parlay that into the manufacturing because you have a really good point about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, just to rewind a little bit, you're talking about this idea of people don't want to be bothered. If you're the king of Saudi Arabia, you've got more money than there's a population in 50 countries. So money's not an issue. Therefore, power and influence are part, they're, they're at your fingertips. Right. Like you and I want to have, or they can be, they can be. There's a lot of rich guys out there who are ignored. Right. I have a super rich client uh, who can't date any women because he thinks they're going to steal the money from. You know, he wishes he had the power to have a, a nice wife or whatever. Yeah. But he can't. There's always so, so it's a game. Right. But so the point is that it, it's very, very, very wealthy people. I've only known a few in my life. When I've dealt with them, they think at a much higher level, and so to them power and influence and control and always having all the levers at their beck and call it's like you and i want chips and salsa you go to the supermarket you buy chips and salsa they have people that manufacture chips and salsa by the gajillions right. and what happened with this guy navarro honestly josh i wish you and i would have known him 15 years ago I said george george hold on you're, you're telling me you're going to make a performance enhancing drug well he's and- not making him though no, but listen, but he's talking to the vet who says we're going to engineer it in such a way that this PED cannot be traced in the horse. It can't be detected. Okay, time out. Okay, you talked about supply chain. Wouldn't somebody up here in the manufacturing level say, okay, guys, hold on. You, you want me to do what? You want me to make a drug that is going to spike the horse and make him do well and not be traced? That's illegal. Didn't somebody have a red flag go up and say, we can't do that, guys. But remember, yeah. right? And, and this is one of the themes, especially this story, is that, and we discussed it in the first and second podcast with Mike Gill. These are great podcasts, and you got to listen to them in a series, and we're going very, very detailed. We even had two interviews with two high-level board members that are on the level of what regulates uh, horse racing, okay? So we get back to... These horses are spiked. They're being injected by George Navarro, who's in jail now, uh, with uh, steroids that cannot be detected. Where have we heard the story before? We heard it in Major League Baseball. Baseball. We heard it in the Olympics. The Olympics, years ago. Okay. And to add to it, we talk about horse racing through crime, an extraordinary amount of horses are dying everywhere mm-hmm. in the horse races. Why? Because they're spiking them too much with these 
agents they can't catch. But if they do a test and they do catch, what happens to the board member? The board member says, hey, right? And we got to these articles that I'll put links to in the episodes and I send it to Mike Fresanisi. 60% of the New Jersey State Police, 60% of the LAPD, and 60% of border agents. Uh, and this is a border agent situation all over the world. They die as millionaires. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they get payoffs from drug rings. They get payoffs from politicians, right? Mm -hmm. Or they get payoffs by billion dollar dynastic families, right? To not report the toxicology tests to cover all their grounds. Because let me ask you this question, Mike Bresenis. Uh Belinda Stronich had a big fight with her father, Frank, mm -hmm. because like you said, right? You, when you think about rich people thinking on a higher level, it's because you might have had this situation growing up, right? In Flint, Michigan. I know that I had this when I moved away from the house. You get home and you're having dinner. You're in quiet and peace. And what do you hear? You hear a siren, right? And I'll put this on the, on the episode notes. When you hear a siren, your mind goes to the amygdala part of the brain called the reptilian part. So when I said in the beginning of the podcast, the kid that dropped on his head, his logical thinking frontal lobe is gone because he got dropped on his head. How many kids have been dropped on his head and the mom's been too embarrassed to say what happened? Okay, he's going through all these problems da, 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 and that's what it is. You dropped him on his head and you messed up his frontal lobe. But a, a, a regular person. So when I lived in the hood, right, before I got my restaurant, so like that going through college, Anxiety, people talking about now with COVID-19, anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of anxiety because poor people are screaming at you. Uh, you go through work, you get home, you hear a siren, right? You see car accidents, rich people live in peace. So they have a, a competitive advantage that they're not distracted, they don't have that distracted thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, living paycheck to paycheck is very, uh, stressful you know money or whatever i always had two or three different incomes because i didn't want to be one move away from you always have like you know six months in reserve so because if you don't have six months in reserve you're living in the amygdala brain i call it when you're in this panic mode now i've had clients with millions upon millions of dollars and they're still in amygdala brain because they haven't made that adjustment Right. Well, that's why when you're talking to someone and they get drunk or they get high, well, what happens? The amygdala starts to get a little pickled and all of a sudden they're not able to function properly. And a lot of people at a very high level, they get drunk or stoned because of pleasure, not anxiety or fear. Right. About people that live paycheck to paycheck, they're anxious all the time. Their conversation is very much about money and small things. Why? Because they're worried they don't have any food on the table next week. And our job is to help educate people to say, look, the insights you can gain from this podcast, we want you to apply them. We want you to listen to us and say, you know, these guys that did the performance of drugs. Why? Because somebody dangled a carrot said, George, look, you could have 35, 40, $50 million. Here's a poor guy who probably didn't know diddly doodly. He's a horse trainer. And he said, how much? 35, 35 million? 
Well, let me ask you this question, right? And after listening to Mike Gill talking about spiked horses and the way he got screwed over by that, he just won $200 million in it. Let me ask you this. Uh, Frank is not going to take care of the horse stables and you know that part. She's going to take care of the marketing, which she said she's good at, but she had a competitive advantage. She didn't have ambulances going off. And she had a lot of money. She had $3 billion to be good at marketing, went to boarding schools and so on and so forth. Let me ask you this. As much as they fight about every detail and they split up the company, do you think Belinda Spronich knew that these 12,000, because the heart of it is, is you take a $12,000 horse like maximum security and it turns into a $35 million horse. That's why Wall Street bets is such a big thing. Now I give you that sports betting that's been now legalized in 42 states, but mine is a get rich slow strategy because that's what I know, get rich slow. Now, people want to get rich fast. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you think uh, Belinda Stronage knew, and I'm going to ask you a series of questions that kind of will give the overview of the Stronage family as we get into details of crimes and potential crimes. That's all been in the news. And then you have circumstantial evidence. And a lot of Black people and Puerto Ricans and poor whites have gone to jail. Just on circumstantial. <laughs> Almost me. Let me ask you this. Question number one. Did Belinda Stronich knew George Navarro and service were spiking horse? Let me rewind the thing. Does, does Bad Bossard know? Yeah, let me back rewind the tape a little bit. Let's go back to the Stronich family. Frank, who started off in the industry years and years and years ago. He raised his daughter in the industry, Josh. Okay, hold on. He raised his daughter in the industry. And he actually, I think in one of his writings says, I was grooming my daughter to kind of take over. In the and park. they love horses, right? And they love horses. And they love horse tracks. They love, so they owned real estate. They traveled throughout the country. And he was training this gal to take over. So she takes over. And the old man says, hey, I don't like the way you're doing it. And she said, yeah. Look, you gave me control of the company. Here's how I'm going to do it. So then all of a sudden they have this lawsuit, which I think, to be honest, is a lot more about publicity than truth, just between the two of us and our listening audience. Well, there's the other thing too. Uh, there's lawyers involved. Lawyers want to get paid. It's almost like plastic surgeries. They yeah. do all these surgeries on people, you know, 135 surgeries on Michael Jack because they want to get paid. Right. So lawyers want to get paid. So they come up with all this thing. They get publicity. Lawyers get paid. Right. There's a lot of money. So when you talk about the manufacturing, didn't the manufacturers know? I'm the question I ask, didn't the manufacturers get paid by this three billion dollar family? Right? And then they say you're the average of the five people around you. So that's the manufacturing. Did the manufacturer know that they were uh, having illegal uh, steroids? And it's pretty sophisticated because yeah. These are drugs that you use for something else, and they work pretty well. And some of these things are on the way to healing cancer and stuff like that, steroids yeah. and stuff. And some people took it for COVID-19, the steroids you're Trump talking about. This is what they're talking about. But yeah. you can't detect them in horse tests, horse. Yeah. right? So you don't think that Stronich family would? And you say, well, no, you didn't let me answer the question. Hold on. Let me interrupt you. Okay. So you asked me if I thought that Stronich, the daughter, knew. I believe she did because I believe she knows everything about the horse racing industry because she's seen it from a little girl all the way up to her age now. So the answer is 
In my humble opinion, yes. Now, here's the other thing that happens. Okay, Josh, let's say you and I know that our neighbor is a murderer and he works for the mafia. Do I tell anybody? Do I tell <laughs> uh, probably not. And if somebody uh, asks, like, what do you think about Josh? You think his neighbor's a murderer? I don't know. I don't know the guy. I really don't. That's, that's a personal issue. And what I'm saying is I'm trying to help people understand you don't always have to answer the question. Like I used to tell my daughter Giovanna, learn to hold your own confidence. If somebody asks you a question and you don't want to answer it, say, I prefer not to answer that question. Well, okay. All right. So I'm going to have, knock on wood and with the help of God. I've, I've won like 21 lawsuits in a row against lawyers and me defending myself. Don't advise it against anybody, but it's because you care more about it. But one way you win these things is that each level of the law has a test for something to be fraud has a test, right? Three part mm -hmm. test. Uh, was it a lie? Did you believe the lie? And did you lose money? That's the definition of fraud. Now, this is the this is the test for a crime, Coach Mike. Number one is means, motive, and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Did the Stronish family have the means, motive, and opportunity to pay manufacturers with these three billion dollars to create performing enhancing drugs for the horses on their tracks, on their horse farms, and to monetize uh, XBET, which is the, the wagering mechanism that they have horses. And they have licensed all over, right? Right. Gee, think about that for a minute, Josh. I'm gonna they go have the means, right? The means, motive, opportunity yes, to do that. Means. Yes, on motive, yes, on opportunity. <laughs> so yes, yes, yes. That's a trifecta, right? <laughs> right. So you say, well, what about the law? Right. And we, we talked about that the law and justice are two, um, they're distant cousins, distant cousins at right. best. Justice yeah. is really just for poor middle class people. Rich people do what they want. So let me ask you this. And, and I always said that PETA and the horse racing people have one thing in common that can unite them and we can solve all this. Right. And it's that they love the horses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They love the horses. So how do you think the Stronish family feels with all these horses being murdered? Yeah. There's an expression in war and there's an expression in other business activities called collateral damage. Okay. Necessary let's, evil. Let's just say, for example, there are, and I don't know the number offhand, but let's say there's 135,000 horses that race annually in the USA, okay? 135,000. And let's say that we lose 500 a year, okay? 500 horses a year compared to 135,000, Josh, doesn't show up on the blip screen, does it? It's right. it's infinitesimal, and it's by state and by county and by city, so it's very dispersed. So how do they feel about it? Okay, I'll answer that question in two minutes. One, they feel bad about it for about... Hold, give me a minute, 12, 15 seconds. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So how much money do we make at uh, Pimpico? Okay. That, because their higher thinking is, I can't be concerned about the death of one horse when I've got this 135,000 135, horses in all my racetracks with all my software, bringing in literally millions of dollars every day. It, it's hard for me to connect. But I'll, I'll give you some insight, right? Sitting with, you know, I've been fortunate, lucky, and good. I had all these billionaires come to my restaurant and 
growing up as a kid would clean houses for like lead majors and stuff like that, seven million dollar mm-hmm. man. And mm-hmm. then I have clients who you know net worth fifty million and above, and uh, rich people, right, can yeah. buy out of things, right? Like uh, Charlie Sheen, if he was in the hood, he would have been dead a long time ago. But he has so much money that he never hits rock bottom because he pays himself off of rock bottom. Now, an element that I make a lot of money with, I mean, fortune, uh, you with Mary uh, Jane and myself with Anna, that the difference between you and I that are married versus a guy who's lived on his own and is a rich guy for 30 years, and you know, the guy saying things that are off of stuff, is that when we say something stupid, right? Mary Jane takes that elbow, Anna takes that elbow, and goes straight to the ribs. And we both married up, we both married people smarter than us. So you check your thinking, right? And hey, Renee Descartes said it, a life left unexamined is not worth living. That's another huge benefit of the podcast. Yeah. So rich people buy them way of their problem and they shift blame and they scapegoat. They're probably saying, hey, George Navarro, service, they're giving the wrong dosages, right? Right. They're shifting the blame from themselves, from feeling bad, other than you and I, because we're poor middle class. We have to say, oh, you know what? I was wrong and I can't do that or else I'm going to be dead or in jail or divorced or all kinds of bad things happen if I don't learn from my mistakes and examine them. And for us, we use it in pro football, Betty, the Hawthorne effect, whatever you track and measure. Look at all these apps you have for measuring your weight, for running, for your finance. Whatever you track and measure, you improve its performance 10 to 20%. Yeah. So the other thing that a lot of wealthy people do is they can say something like, gosh, I really feel bad about that. So the fact that they just verbalized it, most people go, wow, they care so much. You know, because they hear it because middle-class people hear empathy. Rich people say it because they know poor people hear empathy and they get by. And I think one of the things that could happen in horse racing to help fix some of these ills is to say, how, how do you start to clean house? How do you start to call? Let's you say can't because these people are, are on the level of Saudi Arabia. Above the law, aren't they're, they? They're hairy people, yeah. right? They're actually better than hairy because they know how to run a vert- vertically business. integrated, very sophisticated yes. business in multiple countries, right? Now, Right. Let's look at the connections here. I want you to ask some questions. Next week, we're going to get into some details. Sure. Uh, I always talk about the Mueller report because I read the Mueller report. I thought it was my civic duty to read the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. And one of the elements, there's a couple of elements, right? You have maximum security. $12,000 horse becomes $35 million horse. Right. You have, look at me for extrapolation, the learning cost. Uh, Hillary Clinton takes a cow, buys it for a thousand dollars, and sells it. Remember that, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Stronich family, and I'll let you comment on this, and we'll get into more detail next week. But the Stronich family has, you know, we were saying there's six billion dollars, three uh, liquid, three in assets, billion with a B. Okay. And uh, one of the daughters, or one of them, is uh, in the Canadian legislature. They have ties here. They own Santa Anita Racetrack. Remember, this is the richest country in the world. Santa Anita is in California, the fifth largest economy in the world. They're in several racetracks, and they own several horse farms and 
training facilities here in the United States and the betting mechanism for a lot of the horse tracks in Austria. And you're like, oh, what's Austria? Well, Austria, you heard Taylor Green talk about it. You hear a lot about it. And we're not making a decision either way, but his name is what? George Soros. And George Soros, right, donates or donated $200 million to what? The Clinton Foundation. And the Stronish family also uh, contributed to the Clinton Foundation. One thing people can read it, it's online. I read it. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put links to the Mueller report and the episode notes. But three people that were identified by Trump's investigators and people he knew that had the means, right, to try to get Hillary Clinton's email and kind of make a big deal out of them, mm-hmm. they ended up dead. Right? And then... Uh, this gentleman's name is Barry Sherman. I think. Let, me, let me make sure of this. Right. Now, we all know that a lot of people associated with uh, Hillary Clinton ended up dead. Right. Yeah. And these people in Toronto, billionaires, friend of the Stronages, they end up dead. And who are they hanging out with? The Clinton people. And we're talking about a big score, right? The thrill bill big score. Barry Sherman and his wife, Honey Sherman, yeah. were found dead in Toronto, billionaires, 2017. And the Stronish family is connected with this. So horse racing, true crime, uh, circumstantial evidence that we talked about. So what are your thoughts on all that? So let's... Let's help the audience, the viewing and listening audience, understand one thing. If you are a middle-class person and you meet someone who's rich, and I'm speaking about myself now, the first time you meet them, you're impressed with them. You can't help but be. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of influence, a lot of power. They own real estate, fancy car, nice clothes, blah, 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 jewelry. You're impressed with them. As they allow you, here's the key phrase, Josh, as they allow you to get to know them and befriend them, You start learning more about how they think, how they look at things, how they operate. And you say, wow, that is really different than how I not only was born and raised, but look at things. And they think at a different level. So when you start hanging out with people that are, let's say, millionaires, multimillionaires, and you're not in that club, so to speak, you're invited in, at best, you're a guest. So at best, you have a glimpse or a... Uh, well, if you have, you know, the ones that are smart, because what happens is they're the same distribution. It, call it the 80-20 rule, right? 80% mm-hmm. of cops are horrible, 20% are good. Same things for lawyers, baseball players, anything else. I think 80-20 it's the other 80% of cops are good, 20% are horrible. And you have people like the Strunages, like, say, like PR, and then you have billionaires. You never hear from them, and they live a happy, healthy life. Because what money does is it accentuate all you have. Now, I was a little different in the fact that I was pounded in, you know, who cares if you have all the money in, in the world? Mm. If you lose your soul, you're done. The other mm. part of it is happiness, right? You have to be happy for no reason because you're going to be dead soon. We're all going to be dead soon. So you have to be happy mm-hmm. and enjoy, you know, the day, right? And some super rich people get it. Some people don't. They still have a billion dollars and they're still what I call in amygdala 
brain. Brain, all right. Yeah. So uh, it's not that they're smart. They just had they've had a lot more opportunity. Now there's a split, right? There's a split between people. I mean, we're talking about billionaires. You're talking about an Elon Musk, uh, Bill mm-hmm. Gates, and yeah. you have others like uh, well, Solomon or Trump or other people that are complete scumbags, yeah. right? Or they always have an agenda or they run worldwide criminal organization or murder rings or pedophile rings. They say about all the elites in the pedophile rings. These mm-hmm. are really horrible people. But then you have people who run foundations and, and do really great things, right? And everything in between. That's the world we live in. So you hit on a good point, right? That leads to a split. You list people who are legit and then you list grifters. Ivanka and uh, Kushner for the large part of their lives have been grifters, especially when Chris Christie put Kirshner's dad in jail and mm-hmm. he couldn't get legit loans and he started owning, being a slum learner in Baltimore. He means Ivanka and Ivanka's trimming the Trump. So what happens is they get into these circles, not because of the talent they have, but because of, oh, my dad was Kirshner. Oh, my dad's Donald Trump. And some mm-hmm. people get, uh, according Lewandowski comes to mind, some people get starstruck, co-pix, you know, just for people that are in front. They get starstruck. Mm-hmm. And these people are, they put their pants on. And actually, it's the whole thing. If there's a fight, right? Let me ask you this. If there's a fight with a guy who worked all his side for stuff versus a guy who's been given stuff all his time. Who's going to win that fight? Right? 99 times out of 100, the guy had to fight for it. The guy had to earn it because he appreciates the value of it. And that leads to grift, right? And that leads to taking payoffs from a strong family. And for George Navarro and all those guys just to go along because this is a strong family. Oh, wow. They own Santa Anita. They own this and that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's the, and it's the, the grift, mm-hmm. right? And you got guys who will never do anything illegal, but they'll push everybody around them to be do stuff. And again, everybody around them gets to jail except them because they're using that grift as billionaires to, because once you run out of money, you have to have power, right? So those are the details we're going to get into next week uh, as far as Let's talk about uh, one thing real the Spronich quick. family, uh, no. the murders that have been committed, the political connections they have, and how that ties in to the day-to-day operations and the running of the horses, right? right. right. And deeper into the supply chain and what led to all these people to commit crimes. And remember, uh, one distinction we're going to talk about that we talked about before I have a client, and to me, it's a shocker, but most people are like this. I have a client, a li- liquid $30 million. Mm-hmm. He's like, Josh, uh, I like my mistress more than I like my wife. And that reminded me of uh, Hugh Culberhouse, which I was a caddy for once. And he gave his four mistresses $20 million in each, and he gave his wife, who he had the kids with, $10 million. So immediately when he said that, that struck me. He says, I hate my employees. Uh, the only reason you're here is to make me money. I'm like, oh, okay. And usually I would drop the client like that, but I knew that diverse company and diverse people make 45% more cash flow. So I'm like, let me stick this out for a while and learn. 
right? Mm-hmm. Guy gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. I'm here. Guy pay me up front. That's why you always get paid up front. Mm-hmm. Write this out. So you have people, right? Remember, justice and the law are best two different cousins. There's people who commit all kinds of crimes and get away with it forever. Crime, white collar crime right. does pay. Selective right. prosecution. Selective prosecution, which we detail. Right. 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 So you have people who, the way I was raised, and truth be known, maybe 30 years ago, when I saw an opportunity, the reason I didn't do it was because, you know what, I didn't grow up this way now. Somebody who grew up in the street dealing drugs and, and doing all kinds of crimes and fraud, they could do this in a second and monitor. I can't do it. Because even if I got away with it, I would be guilty. I would be nervous doing it. My hands doing whatever, my hands shaking. That's not me. That's not how I grew up. And if I try to pretend and be that way, I'm going to get killed. Or if I get with it one more time, it's going to be a disaster. I'm going to create mental health issues. So we don't do anything that's immoral or unethical. Or illegal. Much less illegal. However, there's people who do illegal stuff all the time and are shady because they like being shady. And there's people who will do something immoral. They will do something unethical, but under no circumstances will they do something illegal. illegal. Yeah. So you got these horse trainers who are like, oh, I'll spike the horse, take the money, but I don't want to kill them. And they're in this denial that they're killing the horses. You know? Right. What are your thoughts on that? And we'll close the podcast with that. Now, I was just going to circle back to use the talking term. You were talking about the Stronach family and talking about the Canadian government. And what I've discovered with a lot of wealthy people is that people want to be their friends. They want to get close to them. They want to somehow be in that click, that inner circle. Right. And what happens is a lot of times people like that will excuse a lot of their aberrant behavior or their filthy language or the way they treat people. Well, that's just the way Bob is. Right. And I find that that's reprehensible. I say, well, wait, wouldn't you call somebody out on that kind of behavior? Well, Mike, you'd never be friends with them. Okay, that wasn't the question. Let's try again. Wouldn't you try to call them out or try to help them be a better human being? Now, people say, well, Mike, aren't you a little idealistic? No, not at 69 years of age. I'm not. I I don't care. I, I just don't want you to be a schmuck or be a nasty person. You don't need to be nasty. Now, if, if your ego is so sensitive and so uh, touchy that you have to be people always blowing smoke up your skirt, I don't want to be part of your program. Right. I, I don't want to be part of your friendship. The Stronish family, I think, and I think Frank did a good job in the beginning raising his daughter to learn every aspect of the racing industry. She did, Josh. She learned it well. And now she knows how to run a business on a, a variety of areas, a variety of different disciplines, a very much... A vertically integrated company and they're making money hand over fist why because they have a machine that does that and frank i think politely this lawsuit when it was settled the lawyer said to frank why don't you just go hang out with the horses and go to the racetracks and take care of the grass and do the grass seed and the feed and all that let let Belinda just run the business well okay but but, but can you speak to that the difference in, in between people you have people who commit crimes because they like committing crimes yes or and they will commit, but you have people who will do things that are immoral, unethical, but not illegal. I remember uh, we got this guy recalled for being corrupt, and people are like, he's a politician. We accept his corruption, right? So you're supposed to be corrupt if you're a politician. It's okay if this guy, because they don't understand. That's something 
we're going to teach here on the podcast as well is that local political corruption the corruption period is not a victimless crime and it might unless you're the Schroeder family and have three billion dollars it might have long-term negative effects right so if you can speak to that three different types of people you got your criminal a you got b people like us who will not do anything illegal unethical or might we could just i've had discussions of what ethical is is it and i get switched around because i was missing something so it's my perception of what ethics is and it keeps things straight and organized more than anything else not even moral just being organized it's like telling the truth right you don't have to remember the lie so to ensure a result you eliminate variables and covariable by just saying what your version of the truth is by tracking stuff and not lying you are eliminating different variables and clutter from your head. So you have three types of people, right? We'll close them. Wisdom, you raised, all your kids are successful for a reason. They didn't fall far from the tree. You run successful businesses, Mike Persinese, for a reason, right? So bestow your knowledge of people, and you're a people person. You know a lot of people throughout your whole life. Describe these three people. You got the guy who doesn't care. Maybe he got dropped to his head. He has no empathy. Uh, whatever. We're not judging anybody. But he's not no problem committing crimes. Then you have people like us that will not do anything unethical, immoral, much less illegal. But you have people who will, for money especially, will do something unethical, will do something immoral, where they feel their morals are, but not do something illegal. Yeah. Well, the first thing you talked about was you talked about this criminal type where someone dropped on their head or they would do anything for money. When I was a kid growing up, if if you saw somebody that had a hundred dollar bill, you had to be careful. You didn't want to kill them to stay. I mean, honestly, that was a lot of money back in the 50s, hundred bucks in Flint, Michigan, you had a lot of money. If you saw someone that had a Mercedes Benz, you thought they were either a gangster or something because nobody drove a Mercedes Benz. You drove Fords and Chevys and Oldsmobiles and Buicks. Okay. Right. So there are people like that. And they see that and they get enamored with this, you used the word earlier, perception of wealth and power and right. people will respect me. No, they won't. No, no, they won't. They will disrespect you because you're you're a con. You're a fool. Right. Okay. That's the, the one person you're talking about. The people that you and I have talked with for years and years and listened to Here's a learning moment for our listening and viewing audience. There's a term called reflective feedback, okay? Psychological term. What does it mean? Josh says something to me. I say, Josh, let me see if I can play back for you what you just said to me. I heard you say yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Is that correct? Yes, Coach Mike. Okay, thanks. Just want to clarify. Now, just by doing that, I just clarified what you said and what I heard sometimes is not what people say, it's what we hear, right? Many times it's what we hear. And if our filters are clogged, we can't hear properly. Now, the other type of person you talked about, would they do something illegal for money? <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, the mafia in Hollywood's made gajillions of dollars with that kind of perception that thought about twisting the tr truth well it's not really illegal mike it's it's right on the border no it's illegal it's Ill it's against the law you have people oh, i had a, a it, part of this comes from this lawyer guy i knew about 25 years ago he says the reason i became a lawyer is because i could do illegal stuff and i can justify it 
and get away with it. And mm -hmm. as a lawyer, I figure out how to do illegal, not illegal, but immoral and unethical things, borderline illegal, but since I'm a lawyer and I know the judges or I went to school with them or go to a club with them or whatever, I'm rich. And I, and I said, you know, that's very interesting. So 17 years, and we'll close with this. And uh, I'll give you my answer to that question. And I'll get your response and we'll close. Okay. Is that, you know, 17 years with a psychotherapist and reading, it boils down to two things, right? It boils down to your personality. That's where your personality is your reaction to things. It's either learned behavior or right. you making a conscious decision to be a certain way. And survival is king. Having a nice house is king. Having a nice car is king. Everything else is pretty much irrelevant, right? Mm -hmm. So you have you have consequences too for your actions. So the people who will just do anything illegal and don't care like it, enjoy it, they get a thrill out. So you know, billionaire goes and shoplifts it's because they're getting a thrill out of the crime. Yeah. They like crime. So whoever murdered Barry Sherman, right? Uh, did it because they like murdering. You know, the hitman in the mafia. Oh, it's it's not personal, it's business. No, no, no. You like killing people. <laughs> You're a murderer. That's why they chose you as the hit guy, because you like to kill people. Look up have right, and then you have your uh and it's almost like in life and business, 40% hate you, 40% love you. That's why they're like, oh, the Trump 35% base. Oh yeah, that's that's the number. We all have that number. Mike Persinese has that number. We ran, yeah. that's, what, that's what we, I have that number, right? And there's 20% there in the middle. So the people who will not do anything immoral, will do things immoral, will be unethical. They just won't do anything illegal is because they don't want to get caught. They don't want to lose the money or they don't want the stress of doing something illegal or they want some sort of arbitrary border to make them feel good. And then you and I are keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. So it's not immoral in my opinion. It's not uh, unethical in my opinion. And then you and I our dominant personality, but we're also on the I, we're influencers. So we say, that's my opinion on the morality right. of this. This right. is my opinion on the ethics part of it. The law, I went to the library and to me it's clear, you can ask a lawyer, what is your definition of in this situation or what is unethical and what is moral? You eliminate variables and you get down to the, you do some Rene Descartes. You're examining life, right? Exactly. Uh, life on exam is not worth living. So you're examining life to make your life worth living. No, that's true. I think what you just said is right on. When you when you can simplify things, Josh. And here's another thing that I hope our viewers and listeners can pick up on. Okay, I have a set of rules or convictions or standards. Mine happen to be based on biblical principles. That's my worldview. I have a Christian worldview. I don't apologize for that. In fact, I'm an apologist for the Christian worldview. So somebody says, well, like, I don't believe in God. Okay, let's agree to disagree agreeably. Don't question if my mother and father were married when I was born. Okay, don't call me that name, okay? They were. So let's agree to disagree agreeably. Now, let's talk about some facts in a business setting. 
You don't happen to believe in God. I do. I'm going to do things ethically, legally, morally. Are you? I asked the question. Are you? But it's oh, okay yeah. if they say no. Yeah, okay. Well, they say yes or no. I said, it's okay. If you say yes. Because a selective prosecution, they might have a lot of money. And it says, you know, judge not so unless you be judged. That's right. So that's I, what I learned with that guy who, yes. who um, and really the way I turned it around was that that company ended up, right, getting health care for everybody when they didn't have to. But because I rigged the numbers so they get a bigger tax deduction and that guy thought he or it is true he's getting more money by doing something good for the people so in my mind okay i i satisfied my uh for me it's nurture and nature my mm -hmm. personality my reaction to the situation mm -hmm. so i made my so this is the thing too i'm no hero for these people it made me feel good that i communicated to that guy who was going to make more money giving these people health care. It's not that, you know, I'm doing, you know, right. Father Phil, Father, uh, yeah, whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, it, that is, it's a situation where I got paid up front and I made myself feel good, but not judging the guy and not judging the situation right away. Right. Did it. And that's why it's important to have an open mind as much as possible. Right. When you see these three different personalities, but to tie it into horse racing, true crime, you got to have the means, motive and opportunity. And, and, and what we just talked about are people's different motivations for these crimes we're going to talk about in the horse racing industry. Sure, because some people are motivated to get, for example, I might be. Oh, biblical term, covet. George Navarro got a thrill of spiking the horse and winning the race. That, that comes through in what he said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I may covet what you have. Let's say you have a lot of money, you're wealthy, life seems to be easy street. And yeah. I was a poor kid in the streets going, well, I want that. So I'm willing to do a lot of things unethical, maybe illegal, maybe immoral to say, how do I get to where, let's say, we call a pick on Josh, where Josh is. Right. You have to understand one thing. Maybe Josh's life isn't perfect. Maybe Josh has some issues. And you talked about personality. That's why a lot of times in my work, I do assessments on people. I have them do go online and do an assessment. I want to know, for example, where do they fall in the ideas of control or heavy data users? Are they idea factories? Are they people pleasers? Are they politicians? I want to know some of that going in. So when I do that, what happens is I feel I have a bit of an unfair advantage. Because once I assess you, I know some things about you. And if I build a bridge and you're honest in our feedback, guess what? You now trust me more. And now you realize I can help you. And that's where I come from. I try to help people. I really do, Josh. And if so I what we're gonna do is we're gonna use those skills to process horse racing and true crime like we're doing. Yeah. Giving more insight and more reality than what people can't get anywhere else. Well, any final words, Mike Tristanity? Well, I just thank you for setting this up and for following the uh, what we call the due diligence approach. You know, we are digging in. We are looking at some of the, the behind the scenes, behind the uh, curtain kind of stuff, behind the Wizard of Oz curtain, if you will. And it's interesting as you dig and we're in. working back because we got the outcomes, right? Yeah. Because they're very public. Yeah. Now we're looking at the purpose. Why? So we learn. Yeah, the motivation, the motivation, basic life is 
knowing your surroundings. So you understand this purpose because it's a small world and things repeat each other. So you understand the purpose and have your own purposes. You you get better outcomes. The get rich slow scheme. Right. So we always close with Winston Churchill, the guy's worked through World War II, helping me get through this pandemic. And it's the fact, right? And they say this in almost every holy book. But it's a different way of saying it. You make a living from your labor, which is a lot of this is about, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network.